I have noticed a real difference between a company that was built to be completely remote Mm -hmm. versus places where you kind of tolerate remote work, where you have some people work remote, but a lot of people don't. And then in those cases, you often see people left out. Welcome to the All In Recruitment podcast by Manatal, where we explore best practices, learnings and trends with leaders in the recruitment space. If you like our content, please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Spotify to stay tuned to our weekly episodes. My name is Lydia and with us today is Bonnie Dilber, who is the recruiting manager at Zapier. Welcome to the show, Bonnie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So, Bonnie, you've been with Zepe for a year now. So tell us about yeah. your experience growing in your role as a recruiter and some milestones that you've had at Zepe. Sure. Um, yeah, it feels like I've been here a lot longer, but mm-hmm. I started at Zapier back in November 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a bit of a journey. My um, I started as a senior recruiter. Um, and it was my first time working in tech. I was coming from an education and nonprofit background where I had been in management roles and came here. Six weeks in, my manager shared that she had accepted a new role. And so I ended Mm. up kind of taking over managing the team with her departure. And so, yeah, um, for a while, kind of held both roles of recruiting and trying to kind of build the team, but had a really great time helping to really dramatically grow our recruiting team at Zapier um, last year and then, um, have navigated all sorts of interesting challenges just given the broader landscape in tech. And so, um, hit my one year anniversary a few months ago and no, congratulations! I'm excited to keep growing here. How big has the team grown since you, since you joined? Yeah. Um, we were at about, I think we had about 15 employees when I joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're now at 40. But part of that was because a large chunk of the team had just left around the time I started. And so we really were kind of rebuilding the team. Lots of people started just a week or two after me. Um, and so we have a kind of a new team to Zapier, even mm-hmm. though um, we have a team that has a lot of great recruiting experience. But we've um, I think done some really awesome things together. Great. And you've been a recruiter, as you said, for several years now, about seven years, and, and you've come from uh, an education recruitment background on the education yeah. space and moving into the tech scene, right? And so the recruitment space itself has seen plenty of different trends affecting it. As a recruiter today in the tech scene, what are some shifts that you've seen during this time? Yeah, it's interesting. I I think the biggest has been seeing how quickly things can shift from um, the employees having an advantage, kind of being an employee's market to an employer's market and watching Mm -hmm. how differently, you know, companies operate where one day you see companies fighting aggressively to hire the best people. And in those spaces, they are moving processes quickly. They're putting out great offers, really putting a lot of effort into recruiting people and getting people excited. And then you can kind of quickly see when it shifts to employers feeling like they have power. And then suddenly you see employees or applicants who are going just weeks without hearing from from anyone and interview processes are being dragged out. And so I think that has just been something interesting to see. Um, But I've seen a lot more um, advocacy from candidates, I think, around like the experiences Mm -hmm. they're having and what makes them so problematic. And I think social media has really enabled that where people are sharing the experiences they have. They're posting about it on LinkedIn. Um, They're making TikToks about bad recruiting experiences. Mm -hmm. They're 
posting on Glassdoor and leaving reviews about interview experiences on Glassdoor. And so I think a lot of those things are also leading companies to have more accountability around negative recruiting experiences and practices. And so I think pushing us to really have to kind of up our game. Um, So yeah, I think those are some of the evolutions that I've seen. And it's interesting when you say, you know, they've taken on um, these responses to the company because they feel they're not probably feel that they've not been heard by the company and they're not getting a response. So they go to social media, as you said, right? Uh, What in, in, do you respond at all to these, um, to these uh, uh, different types of feedback that you see in social media? What is the approach towards that? Great question. So, you know, at Zapier, we've had a couple of experiences that I feel really lucky for where people have actually said, posted about great experiences they've had getting rejected by us, because at least they get responses really quickly, they get feedback, things like that. Um, But I've also seen people post, you know, applied and keep getting rejected, that sort of thing. Usually in those cases, we try to, depending on the tone of it, um, we'll usually, you know, follow up and say something like, hey, so sorry that you're not having the experience that we would hope. Would love to, you know, follow up with you one on one. We'll, you know, send you a DM, something like, like that, a direct message, um, something along those lines. So, and then kind of take it offline, mm-hmm. but try to publicly show that we're aware and we want to address it and make it right and kind of learn from it. Um, and so right now that's sort of our um our approach there. And then sometimes if it really feels aggressive, which we haven't experienced a lot of this, but you know, every now and then there might just be something that you leave alone and let someone mm-hmm. um uh let them be upset and hope that it's not going to be too visible to people because sometimes commenting or engaging will actually increase the visibility of that. Um on Glassdoor, we do have a practice. We set aside time each week to have someone respond to people personally who leave reviews, positive or negative. Um, to try to sort of address any challenges that people might be having or thank people for taking the time to share positive feedback. So it's taken on almost uh, treating the candidate as a customer, uh, that sort of nature in, in, yeah. in recruitment today, right? On that note, how have you aligned uh, business needs with uh, recruitment strategies? We spend a lot of time with our executives and we have a saying at Zapier that hiring is a team sport. And so the relationship that recruiting has with the rest of the business is like the best one I've experienced anywhere I've worked, Mm. um, where people are very supportive, very communicative. We're brought in on planning early. Um, We know about any sort of major changes that are coming and therefore we are able to be real partners and planning for those. Um, Last year, and, and the business is willing to make investments in us. Part of that big growth that we saw last year was because we grew the company by about 35% last year. And so our team really needed to grow aggressively to get ahead of that. Um, And so um, the business was like willing to invest in us. And in turn, I think we are really strategic about working with our executives to map out how we're going to hire so that we can kind of maximize the number of people that we're bringing in at any given time. Um, And... I think recruiting like really needs to work in partnership with teams like learning and development with, you know, to make sure that you actually have the capacity to onboard people quickly and kind of get them up to speed so that they can add value. Um, You need to work with the business to figure out like interviewing capacity so that again, you're able to move as quickly as possible. And I think we've had a lot of, um, we just have a strong sense of partnership across the business, which I think helps us then move quickly and um, have meet aggressive goals. 
And I understand that Zapier is also all remote and work yes. from anywhere is a key proposition. I mean, it's a front and center on your careers page, which is <laughs> nice to see. So, so when did this come about and how has this style of work been supported? Yeah. So um, Zapier was actually founded to be remote from the start. They've never had offices. So um, that's how it's always been. And um, it's, it is interesting because I have noticed a real difference between a company that was built to be completely remote mm -hmm. versus places where you kind of tol tolerate remote work, where you have some people work remote, but a lot of people don't. And then in those cases, you often see people left out. Whereas here, because everyone is remote, all of the communication structures have to work so that people can access them from any location at any time. Um, we do a lot of training around how to communicate, what channels to use, what asynchronous work need, you know, needs to look like, how to bring people in on your work when you're not necessarily in meetings with them or able to walk next door and you know show, show someone down the hall what your work looks like. And so we, we actually explicitly kind of teach people how to operate in a remote environment and how to communicate effectively and those sorts of things that I think help people be productive. Um, we really leverage collaboration tools like Slack. Um, we don't use much email, but a lot of Slack. Um, we do things like every week, everyone in the company writes just an update on what their mm -hmm. goals, what they accomplished that week and what their goals are for the next week. Things that really give like the visibility into what's like being accomplished across the business. Um, so those, we also have a weekly all hands meeting where everyone comes on live together. Again, across the whole business, you get updates from executives. Mm -hmm. They bring kind of a meaty topic. They have a, completely open Q and uh, question and answer session where we can ask anything we want um, of them. And so there's things like that, that I think give access in the way those in an office might have more easily because you can just go talk to someone that you run into um, by the water cooler. And so we try to kind of create more of those experiences. I've also noticed that the entire recruiting process is clearly defined on the careers page. And, and that's great. Yeah. So what's your philosophy or perspective on transparency in the candidate experience? Yeah. Um, one of our values as Zapier is default to transparency. It's like my favorite one. Mm -hmm. And I think we really try to lean into it. And so we try to tell people as much as possible what to expect and then adhere to it. Um, and we teach our team, I think the big kind of rules that we want our team to keep in mind are one that a candidate should never go more than seven days without an update. Even if it's just an update to let them know that we don't have any more, you know, an update yet that we're we're still, you know, waiting on a decision or something like that, they should hear from us weekly. Um, and so I think things like that really make it clear to the recruiter and clear to the candidate. If it's been a week and you haven't heard from us, you should reach out. Like it is perfectly acceptable to reach out to us. Mm -hmm. um, that sort of, of thing. And it makes it clear to recruiters like what expectation they're being held to. And then we have, you know, systems like within our ATS that allow us to track where people are against those time timelines. Um, but we think it's really important that people know what to expect in the process and have some understanding of why. And when someone is going through our recruitment process, each email also that they receive along the way kind of also brings more information mm -hmm. like you know we share with them here's what's going to happen in your next interview here are some resources to prepare for it like as much as possible we want people to feel empowered and positioned to kind of bring bring their best self and not be nervous mm -hmm. because they're wondering 
what, what, what to expect or, you know, have like basic things that they can't figure out. We hear a lot about how recruitment today is challenged, right? You've got shortage of talent. You've got uh, changing economic landscape. We don't know what's what's going to be, uh, you know, what a company is supposed to be faced with in the next half a year or the following year, in fact. And, and also... Uh, a big challenge is also keeping up with the kinds of jobs that recruiters are recruiting for. And they also have to evolve to a certain extent and learn by themselves, right? So what, as 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 you yourself went through, you know, from the education space, moving into the tech scene, there's plenty, the learning curve is steep. So how might recruiters, in, in your point of view, develop a mindset of lifelong learning? Yeah, um, I love that question. So, because I think we do a lot to support that here. And one of the things... Um, I wrote a blog post about this on Zapier's blog, if anyone wants to go read it. But um, we currently have a lot of our recruiting team because recruiting has slowed down. We have them doing some projects for other teams across the business. And our recruiter who was recruiting for product roles is actually working with a product team now, in part because she learned so much along the way of recruiting for products. She understands their work. And she actually started taking courses on the side, we have an education budget here. So she was able to use that to take classes to help her um, better understand the kind of product management. And so she's now actually doing, you know, uh, essentially kind of like an externship with them, I guess you could call it. So she's spending a quarter working as a part of the product team. Um, we have someone doing the same thing with data team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just share that to say, I think our recruiters really try to understand the business that they're recruiting for and the roles they're recruiting for and what kind of projects people do to the point that they really kind of are able to become a part of that team um, if given the opportunity. And so I think that has been cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's really important that people understand that they get to know the work, what a day in the life of the roles they're recruiting for looks mm-hmm. like, what some of the key challenges that those teams are facing um, so that they can really paint a strong picture for candidates and a realistic picture. Um, we have really strong employee retention here. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is that we try to be transparent with people about what to expect working here and not, not, you know, paint a rosy picture just to get them to accept an offer. We want them to really understand what's great here and what's going to be hard here. Um, and I think that starts with recruiters really like working to learn hmm. the, the business they're recruiting for. So we've seen multiple trends over the past couple of years at least. What would you say uh, three recruitment trends that anyone, any professional in the tech space especially should look out for? Good question. Um, So I think one thing that we're just seeing a lot of is is candidates expecting much stronger communication and much quicker processes. I think kind of the days of people being willing to sit around in a process for three months are gone. Um, And I think that those are... if companies have bad trends, then I think it's really going to start hitting their employer brand negatively um, and could affect them in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even seen people say, I don't want to use this product anymore because I had such a bad recruiting experience with the company, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I think it could infect, affect your business in a lot of ways to be a bad, have a bad recruiting process. So I think that's like one thing that there's just going to be higher expectations for companies because their work is so much more visible. Um, I think one thing that we'll probably see a lot more of is people kind of monetizing their networks because anyone can build really robust networks in the world Mm -hmm. of remote work and social media. 
you can have 100,000 followers pretty easily um, and have a lot of reach, a lot of access. And so I think we'll start seeing more like I, I'm, I think that we will see less and less of people sort of hiring maybe an agency to mm-hmm. run something and more of like using and paying people for their networks. So whether it's more robust employee referral programs to drive people in or even leveraging, you know, more outside referrals, things like that. But I think we'll probably see more and more of that as um yeah just as as it just becomes like easier to leverage the networks you have um and because i think the younger generations are very um they value authenticity like i think gen z wants they don't want to be marketed to they don't want to be sold to they want to hear from someone like working at your company that person's voice matters a lot more to them than a recruiter's voice. And so I think we'll just see more and more of those sort of like authentic practices as opposed to um, these really formal, like rigid processes. So those are are some of the like evolutions that I expect to see. It's interesting because all these evolutions, as you said, in the recruitment space also lead to their transition as an employee eventually. And then you've got to retain them, right? And keep them interested yeah. in the company, keep them always remembering that original proposition that was made. So what are some ways uh, that you've approached talent retention? Yeah, I think it's so important because... um I, what used to be called job hopping, it used to be a new job every two years. Now, I think it's like, oh, if you stayed at your job six months, you're fine. You can move on. And we, I think there is a tendency among younger, younger generations to move around quickly. And so I think companies have to put a lot more effort into retaining talent now than they did a few years ago, where you could expect a new hire to stay, stay two, three years. Um, so, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is making sure that the promises that you make are that you live up to them, that your culture is what you say it is, um, and that sort of thing. I think uh, as much as mission matters and the purpose of a company matters and all of that, I think money and benefits really are kind of king in this space. And people, just because things are getting so much more expensive, um, people will leave for a raise if you're not able to meet that. And so I, th- I do think companies having very strong compensation mm-hmm. benefits plans and increasing compensation rapidly for your high performers is, is just going to be like critical to retaining people. Um, and if, if you're not able to increase compensation, then having other programs that are really going to make it hard for people to leave, like great benefits, flexibility, remote work. Like I just, I think you have to offer some of those things to stand out. Um, because we are just seeing the workforce is less loyal to the actual company and they know that they can find good culture at lots mm-hmm. of places. And so they're going to want to go to the employer that is going to also take care of them and their family. Okay. So on that note comes the employer brand, right? So, yeah. you know, you, you need to put that out. You need to allow your candidates to be able to see all these different ways in which you add value to their career and their growth. What might be, uh, three biggest hurdles for employer branding today in tandem with what you said earlier, you know, the changing expectations, et cetera, and also the disruptive environments that we're seeing recently. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some of the challenges for employer brand, one of them is that your brand is harder to control today than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because Mm -hmm. your brand is being formed by 
people creating content where they talk about your products, whether you want them to or not, or talk about their experience going through your recruitment process, whether you want them to or not. Um, And so what you have on your website or on your LinkedIn page matters a lot less than what is on all of the... You know, There's all of these anonymous sites like Blind, where people are going on and talking about companies and, you know, mostly sharing really negative things about their experiences at companies. And so all of that stuff is out there. And so um, I I think one of the hurdles is sort of even understanding like what your narrative is. And that's part of why it's important that you have a really happy workforce and that you have great processes. Because if you don't, people are going to find out about it. Um, and it's going to be very public and shared widely. And it can kind of damage mm-hmm. a lot of the work that you do more intentionally to build your brand. Um, and so, I mean, I think that piece is, is important. And I think alongside that, there's, there's both like a risk and a real benefit to leveraging Mm -hmm. your people and asking them to like engage more authentically. Um, I think it used to be that businesses would really kind of architect the messages their people were putting out. Um, now again, everyone can talk on social media or wherever they want about their experiences at work. And in an ideal world, you should allow that to happen because I think that authenticity sells and is mm-hmm. what people respond to. At the same time, there's a risk in allowing that. And some companies respond by not allowing people to talk about work on social media or not allowing people to post on social media during the workday and those sorts of things that tend to happen. Um, and for me, I think that's ultimately a mistake because it's going to happen one way or another. And so I think your best bet is to figure out how to like leverage your employees for your benefit. But again, there is, I think, risks for, for having a lot of that messaging out there that you can't really control. Um, but I think those are are some of the challenges that companies need to sort of think through and have a strategy around. So let's speak a little bit about uh, automation tools for hiring. So there are plenty of tools out there to automate the hiring process, which remains until today quite a challenging uh, process uh, in and of itself, right? And Manatal is one of those uh, tools that that is used for hiring that automates and, and uses AI to um, to to facilitate or to ease the hiring process. So how might technology help in ensuring successful hiring practices? Good question. Um, so I mean, I. I don't know how a company would hire at a large scale without a really strong um, kind of tech, tech stack to support their hiring work. Um, I think unless you're hiring just one or two roles, a strong applicant tracking system is a mess that allows you to know where people are in the process and make sure that people are getting the right communication at the right times, that scheduling for interviews is really easy, all of those things. And so I think it's, it is critical that you have um, a tech stack that allows for that. Um, and I think having strong kind of reporting tools also that allow you to then see where, where you're falling short so that you can improve your process. Um, again, if you're hiring at any sort of scale where you have a lot of people, I think you need, you need hard data to tell you like where pain points may be that you can Mm -hmm. kind of resolve. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think there's so much about the process that can be automated. I don't, what I don't think should ever be automated is having an actual live human review every application and make a decision. There's a lot of rumors out there about the, the applicant tracking systems that are rejecting people. Um, I've never used that kind of a system before. And anywhere I've worked, we've always had a recruiter look and make that decision. And I think that's really important that 
people take the time to apply at your company and they deserve like a human response. However, automating things like reminders about interviews and kind of, you know, messaging that will help people be successful in the process, like those sorts of things um, that will help, you know, automating the onboarding process, all of that stuff, I think is, um, is really important so that your recruiters are also not trying to keep track of, you know, 20 different people in 20 different places Mm -hmm. and, you know, manually sending emails and updating spreadsheets and things like that. I have recruited in that way before. And Mm -hmm. it just is, I think it's just, it just is what like opens the door for so many mistakes and bad experiences for candidates. So Bonnie, you've taken us through quite, uh, you know, quite a journey really you've had in in recruitment, moving from one industry to the next, and also looking into the different trends that you've seen, you know, at least over the past couple of years, the different ways in which you engage with candidates. I think that's a big and very critical piece uh, for any recruiter out there. So uh, from your perspective, what advice would you give someone who's starting out in recruitment today? Great question. Um... I I think for anyone starting in recruitment, like lean into relationships and get to know your hiring managers and really like understand what it is that they're looking for and kind of build build trust with them so that they're able to give you really honest feedback. Um, and as well as like with candidates, I mean, the person who is terrible for the job that you're recruiting for right now could be the dream candidate for a role that you're going to get tomorrow. And so kind of keeping that in mind. And thinking about how you can establish relationships with people, even if it's not going to be beneficial right now, um, it is still worth just having like a broad network and mm. group of people that you can tap on and tap into. Um, and then the other is like developing organizational systems. I don't think, I think people underestimate how much like information and data and just how much there is to stay on top of to be a really good recruiter. And I think organization and the strong systems to manage everything that you're doing is is really critical. And a lot of a lot of people that I actually see struggle in recruiting struggle mm-hmm. because they're people people and they love talking to people, but they can't keep up with everything else behind the scenes that needs to be done to manage a process. Mm -hmm. And so I think like really kind of early on in your career, figuring those things out is important. Thank you very much for your time and insights, Bonnie. It's been a real pleasure having you with us today. I'm sure the audience will also want to know where they can connect with you and you, you know, where where can they find you and your company and maybe some uh, points in which they can read. You mentioned the blog earlier and to find out a little bit more about Zapier. So where can they, where can they find you? Absolutely. So I am very active on LinkedIn. um, And I also have a TikTok. Both of them are just my name, Bonnie Dilber. So feel free to follow me on either of those. Um, Zapier is Z-A-P-I-E-R, Zapier.com. If you want to check out jobs with us and uh, our blog, I've written a few posts, a few blog posts, uh, but there's lots of great content there, um, as well as if you're interested in looking at a job with us, um, you can check there as well. And we have been in conversation with Bonnie Dilber, Recruiting Manager at Zepia. If you like our content, please subscribe to our channels and stay tuned for more weekly episodes from All In Recruitment. Thank you. Thank you.